In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about the physical manifestation of trauma, community and historical-based shame, and ultimately raising one's voice in defiance as a declaration of love and acceptance, of healing and advocacy. My guest today is Mila Knight. Mila was 38 when she was diagnosed with stage 2 hormone-positive breast cancer. As you will hear, Mila has always turned to music for solace in hard times, so it was no wonder that music also lifted her up while going through cancer treatment. Her journaling turned to songwriting, and then she took her passion and her pain and channeled it into a fundraising concert. As she puts it, Mila found a path that embodied a true patient advocate in merging music and service. She joins me today from New York City. Welcome to The Burn, Mila. Thanks, April. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks for being here. So you're here today to read a piece you wrote called Crawling in My Skin. Your story was published in Wildfire Magazine's 2021 body issue. This was an issue in which we explored how breast cancer affects our bodies and by extension rocks the essence of what we think of as our identity and maybe shows us what we are all about deep down. After you read your story, you and I will chat a bit and I have a writing prompt for everyone listening as well. All right, Mila, I'll let you take it away. Thank you. I was never one to care much about what people thought about me until now. I lived my life freely and boldly, but people's perceptions and expectations really weighed on me after my diagnosis. Sometimes it was my own perceptions that troubled me, whether constantly contemplating my situation, questioning my decisions, or tempering my feelings from some degree of shame. This is an extremely difficult space to be in for those of us unaccustomed to being vulnerable. And a struggle even more so for people of color. I thought the worst part of being diagnosed was actually hearing for the first time that I had cancer. I heard those gut-wrenching words, you have cancer. In January, at the beginning of a new year that had promised to be full of travel and career plans. Though I was baffled as to the cause of my cancer, I knew I was strong, and I told myself I was just going to get through treatment just fine. So brave, strong, confident me just carried on, giving my all, both at my demanding job and at home with my husband and toddler daughter. 
I thought, if anyone can do it, I can. But right before starting chemo, my warrior spirit broke. It happened on a quiet Sunday afternoon, the week I was due to start chemo. In preparing my mind, body, and spirit to face the ordeal, I asked my husband to shave off all of my hair. I did not want to bear seeing my hair fall out in clumps. After all, each of us knows our limits and what we can handle. With my bald, freshly shaven head, my sweet, innocent daughter looked at me in the eyes and asked, Are you still my mommy? And as I wondered why she asked that, she said, Because you have a hairstyle like daddy now. That's the moment when my soul just sunk. And in that moment, the brave, strong, confident me was no longer brave. I was aware of all the other physical changes to come. Then, two and a half months into chemo, I succumbed to all the side effects. I had to temporarily quit my work and could physically no longer do the things I thought made me a good wife and mother. I was left vulnerable for the first time in my life. Chemo even took the stubs of hair which remained on my head. My skin and complexion changed. My tongue turned black. My eyesight became blurred. My body and joints ached so much that I couldn't stand to walk. And then, neuropathy set in, a pain unlike any other. It wore me out and broke me down. I wondered how much more could I possibly endure. I now see the irony of my teenage prayers when I asked God for smaller breasts and no periods. Breast cancer is not how I imagined that prayers would be answered. As the saying goes, be careful what you wish for. Breast cancer impacted almost everything that makes me feminine. The mastectomy took my breasts, hormone therapy stopped my periods, chemo made me bald, the combination of both could cause infertility, significantly decreasing one's chances of becoming a mother. All this made me struggle with my identity. So confident me? Not quite so confident anymore. Furthermore, as a black woman, I can talk firsthand about ancestral trauma suppressing one's feelings and the traditional practice of not talking about family secrets. It's almost as though my identity is forever influenced by my family's past struggles and the constant fight to strive to exceed society's expectations. Set by whom? Steeping in historical oppression and the desire to be seen as equals has in some inverse caused us to self-impose superhuman, unrealistic personas, which become now stereotypical. All in the hope that the strong black woman defeats the vulnerable black woman. The enduring black woman overshadows the resourceful black woman, 
and the reverent black woman constrained from being the angry black woman, even when warranted. Can you imagine having a disadvantageous start in life, then dealing with biases and preconceived notions, and yet still having to work against a disparate socioeconomic system? How conflicted you become when hit with a fatal, stigmatic, extortionate disease like cancer. But when trauma is tied to physical changes, as is often the case after chemotherapy, radiation, and mastectomy, the secrecy of cancer becomes a burden. And nothing worsens emotional trauma like a physical manifestation. Because this is the point where one starts to understand the societal stigma around cancer. And hopelessness closely follows. As minorities from black and brown communities, we don't share our stories. But there might actually be healing and self-advocacy in sharing. A daunting but nonetheless brave and selfless act. My preferred medium to express and find myself is music. Music has been my therapy and a form of self-declaration. Sounds simple, yes, but music has had a resounding impact on my life. My journaling has morphed into songwriting, and I'm currently working on a song called Damaged Goods. It basically sums up some of what I just shared about the physical and emotional effects of cancer. My hope is that this song reminds us that though we may be damaged goods, we are not expired goods. And there is some hope in that and a whole lot left to love. Mm, thank you, Mila. I just love the though we may be damaged goods, we are not expired goods. Thank you so much for your story. We are going to take a quick break here. We'll let you catch your breath. And when we come back, we'll chat some more. Hello, my name is Carla Ross. And in 2015, at the age of 34, I was diagnosed with mixed invasive ductal carcinoma and lobular carcinoma, HER2 positive stage two breast cancer. I decided that I wasn't gonna share my story because that was such a traumatic time in my life and I just wanted to forget about it. But Javasia Harris Bowser of C. Jane Wright posted on her social media that Wildfire Magazine was looking for women to share their story to blaze a trail of hope and encouragement. And so I decided that I would be bold and share my story to encourage someone and appreciate my community because without my community of family, friends, co-workers, church members, I don't believe that I could have gotten through this. So I just want you to know that you're not alone and you too can fight the good fight of breast cancer. And I just want to thank Wildfire Magazine, Monica, April, and Javasia for allowing us to share our story and encourage hope. Thank you. As a parent of young kids, your plate is already full with diapers, bedtime, preschool drop-offs, or getting food on the table. When you top it off with an unwelcome cancer diagnosis, that already full plate can simply overflow. Brightspot Network is here to help. We are a community of parents and primary caregivers with cancer who are also raising young kids. We're doing that difficult work of parenting and caregiving all while navigating a cancer diagnosis and treatment. 
Brightspot Network offers free kids books on big emotions, cancer, grief, and loss. Free art boxes designed with kids of parents with cancer in mind. Financial grants for families impacted by cancer. Support groups for parents and partners, web resources, and more. Check us out at www.brightspotnetwork.org. Thanks so much for the love, Carla, and please check out our episode sponsor, Bright Spot Network. Like Wildfire, Bright Spot was created by two women who faced cancer themselves and wanted to make it better for the next parent to be diagnosed after them. We so appreciate their role in our community and their support of the burn so we can provide this podcast to all of you. Mila, thank you again for your powerful writing. I am so excited for us to chat. You're most welcome. I enjoyed sharing it. It it was painful to write, but now that it's out there, it's I hope it helps someone. Oh, I know it will. And hearing it in your own voice is so powerful. So really appreciate you being brave to read it for us today as well. I want to start at the end of your story. You talk about journaling morphing into songwriting and the inspiration behind your song, Damaged Goods. And as a person who primarily writes prose and Prose is often very uh, private. I share a lot of what I write, but it is a very private form of writing, whereas poetry and music are designed to be spoken, designed to be shared. And I wonder if you can just um, tell us a little bit more about this process for you of the journaling turning into song and this idea of, I just have this image of your voice as sunlight kind of eradicating shame. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh my gosh, that song's so so poetic. <laughs> Maybe I'll take that for my liner notes of my EP whenever I release it. <laughs> but sure, so you know, I took this songwriting class a few years ago and it really left a mark on me. And the way the songwriter taught the class, she was like, no holds barred, just let everything out on paper. And I wasn't accustomed to journaling prior to that class that I took and I just released everything that was inside me um, that I was conflicted about at that time. Uh, It was during a breakup that I had, a really bad breakup, and I just let it all out on paper. And then there were a few themes that stuck out to me and everything that I basically vomited on paper. (laughs) And I pulled those out because they, the words on paper I could sense a a rhythm to them and a melody and I wanted to expand on it more and, you know, share it musically. And I I started pulling lines out of that, which became verses. And then I played around with melodies and that was my first song. Um, Usually that's the process for me now. So I just write, no holds barred, you know, no pressure and then no judgment, right? And then go back through it, read it, and see what what's speaking to me on the paper. It's all like a connection, emotional, soul, mental connection, and I just take it from there. I love that. I find for myself, and maybe this is true for you, that I often don't know what I'm thinking until it starts to come out on the mm-hmm. page. Um, and it's always surprising to realize that those things needed to come out in the first place, a little sometimes scary as well. Yeah. Yep. 
So you are rather, I mentioned when I introduced you that you created a fundraising concert during the course of your, um, your cancer. And you talk about this idea of merging music and service and becoming a patient advocate. And I'm guessing that patient advocacy is something new um, to you that's come about because of cancer. Can you talk a little bit about that role for you and what that means for you? Sure. So the saying goes, you never really, you never really, you know, know what others go through until you put yourself in their shoes, right? Um, and I never really had any major medical issues until cancer. And cancer, maybe it brought me back down to earth or maybe it just lifted a veil over from over my eyes. And I started, you know, seeing and realizing a lot of the disparities in the health system. Um, I started realizing the impact of medical bills and the saying, there's a saying in the U.S. that you're only, you know, one major medical crisis away from from basically poverty or bankruptcy. Um, a lot of that started ringing true to me when I went through cancer. And I just started doing research and reading and taking into stock my own experiences in the medical system and with doctors. And luckily I was on the other side of, um, you know, I have pretty good health insurance. I have a pretty good medic, which I think really gave me a, access to a pretty good medical team. Um so I just saw like how your socioeconomic status can influence the type of care and the access to quality care. And I wanted to do something about it because though I may be fortunate, I have friends and family that are not. And I wanted to do whatever I, I could. And I was going through chemo at the time. And, you know, I felt a fire lit under me. And I was like, you know, music has always been a passion of mine. And if not now, then when, you know, I, I, I don't know if I was going to survive. And I was like, I have to make my dreams come true. So I merged my passion of music with wanting to do good um, for patients. And I held a, a fundraiser. I headlined a concert. <laughs> and, you know, I sang 12 songs by myself. No experience before that whatsoever, except my dreams and aspirations and my talent, <laughs> which I'm still fine tuning, right? But it was so well received and I doubled my fundraising goal and I've gotten such great support and people have been reaching out wanting to know when is the next concert and it just felt so good. Um, and ever since that, I've been on the search trying to determine how else can I, you know, advocate for patients or help support causes that reaches the, those of us that are not, you know, privileged or don't have easy access to some of the, the great healthcare, um, healthcare measures and systems in place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that you did that. Do you want to share with us the um, organizations that you chose to benefit with your concert? 
Sure. So I was able to split the the donations to two remarkable um, organizations. So I donated to Susan G. Komen of Greater New York City, more specifically to their African-American Health Equity Initiative. And I also donated to Memorial Sloan Kettering's Cancer Center, their Immigrant Health and Cancer Disparity Service. Mm. I love that you um, shared with us that information because I think a lot of us are looking for ways to be more active. You know, cancer treatment is so... um, it's happening to you, you know, and it makes you feel a little bit more in control to find ways to, to use the experience and to try to hopefully make it better for someone else. So thank you for sharing those with us. Um, and for your patient advocacy, um, I want to actually ask you a little bit more, um, in this vein, and obviously this isn't your job to educate or explain further. So you know, let me know. But I wonder if you would like to talk more about this idea of ancestral and generational trauma and the ways that it manifests in a breast cancer experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a big question. I know. It is a big question. It's a it's a huge question. It's a broad question. It's a loaded question. It's probably a question for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> But but I'll give you a little snippet of how it's impacted me, right? I, similar to what I wrote in my story, I did not want to share my story. I grew up in a family where chronic illness, fatal illness, illness whatsoever was not spoken about, right? Like you you protect the family secrets. You don't talk about it. Um, There's not even talk about it within the family. It was only when I started doing some digging into my, you know, family background and and bloodline that I realized that, you know, there is cancer on the maternal side of my my family. Like my grand maternal grandmother, all of her siblings died from some form of cancer. Wow. Wow. Except for her. Mm-hmm which is remarkable, but had I not, you know, asked questions and, you know, kept constantly at it to demanding answers or demanding to know more. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would have ever known or I wouldn't have pursued it if I wasn't diagnosed. Right. Because mm-hmm. now I have a daughter to think about as well. And she needs to know her family history. So now that I know better, I'll do better by her. Right? I, I'll now that you know I've been diagnosed and I'm a breast cancer survivor. I have to start having those discussions with her early. I have to let her know what's in you know what's in her family, what's in her her DNA, um, precautions that that should be taken, preventative measures. So it's all about education and awareness as well. And a lot of that comes out when you open up, when you share, when you talk. Um, And I've been seeing the benefits of that, not only within my own family, but even in our community, the breast cancer community. Absolutely. And I love that um, what you just shared about your daughter, because I think that there's this idea of breaking cycles and it's 
there's many, many cycles, you know, within here that we're talking about, but I think there's at the root of this, um, this shame around illness, there's this idea of weakness, but it can actually be a strength, you know, to share, to share these things. And this idea that if you, um, if you're holding a secret so tightly that you become almost brittle with it versus, you know, the conversations you're having with your daughter, where I just picture you guys becoming more flexible and able to handle whatever is coming your way together. It's a really beautiful vulnerability. Yeah, it's a burden. Similar to what I wrote my piece. It's it's such a burden. That's why this piece was like unpacking a lot of a lot for me. It was really hard to write, but yeah. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. So let's bring it back to words and writing and music. And I wonder if you could share with us a few lines from your from Damaged Goods. Sure, I can share some words. I'm still working on the melodies, though. Um, and I would love to share the song with you once it's it's done on the back of this podcast. So more to come. But here goes. I've managed to pull myself together so good. Can't you see I'm damaged goods? So go ahead, slap a label on me. Am I fragile or am I broken? Just make sure you handle with care. Because if I don't start the day right side up, here they come. Meet moody, anxiety, and fear. Mm, gorgeous. Oh, I can't wait till you're ready to share to share the music behind it, but just, just pure poetry and so beautiful. Mila, thank you so much. You're welcome. So my guest today has been Mila Knight. Her piece was called Crawling in My Skin from the June-July 2021 issue of Wildfire Magazine called Body. You can find this issue in our digital archives. And Mila, can you let us know where people can find you online or learn more about you? Sure. You can follow me on Instagram at Mila Knight Sings. Perfect. And we will link to you in our show notes as well. Thank you again. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay till the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's chat. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 35 issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. Don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, please leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories they need to. Finally, here is the writing prompt. I said yes. I said yes. That's the prompt. Where in your breast cancer experience did you say yes for yourself? We talk a lot these days about saying no as an act of self-care, and I wholly believe in setting boundaries around what you need and deserve as you go through cancer treatment. But I also think saying yes to what is in your heart is also important. Just as Mila said yes to song and music, what have you said yes to with your whole heart lately? Set your timer for eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.